Hey everybody, welcome back to the seventh episode here of the Shooting Time Podcast. Just running a little intro here before I get into the uh, our discussion today with Mr. Ryan Graves. Um, fun conversation that I had with him. Hopefully you guys like it. Maybe a little bit different than uh, some of my last ones, but then again, I guess it's probably somewhat along the same the same lines of what we've been doing, so hopefully everybody likes that. Obviously, if you're listening, I'm g- going to assume that you do so let me know on uh that kind of stuff if everyone has any suggestions or whatever feel free to drop an email on that stuff i love to hear about so and on the uh podcast side of life here um this one's coming out a couple days later than i was hoping for you have to forgive me our duck season just opened uh this past saturday and i've been obviously pretty busy with that as Believe it or not, I was duck hunting, so I've been out almost every day and just actually finished up a uh, really uh, almost world-class teal shoot here this morning. Had a beautiful southeast winds, um, sun on our back, perfect skies, cool little hole, and uh, shot our, me and my buddy each shot our eight teal this morning, a bunch of green wings along with our two bonus blue wings each, so a uh, really fun day. And not something I usually do is just target teal, but man, that was fun. So while I'm recording this, I'm also hunting flies here in my living room as we're that time of year when the flies are moving in. So I have to forgive a few smacks every once in a while. But we will um, get down to business here. If I could uh, ask a favor, everyone, if they uh, if you've listened to this and if you enjoy it, um, I'd love if you could give me a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever the heck it is that you may be listening to this. Um, that does help people find it a little bit as it brings it up a little higher in the rankings when people search. So if you could throw a five-star rating on it, that would be awesome. If you think it's less than that, then just don't even rate. <laughs> but no, if you could do that, that would be awesome. Uh, definitely appreciate it. If you have any friends that listen to podcasts, let them know about it. So with no further ado, we will get down to business here. Thanks, everyone, and have a good start to your seasons for those of you that are up north. The rest of you, sorry. Welcome here to the seventh episode of the Shooting Time Podcast. Um, I've got a, a guest on today that I've known for probably almost 20 years, uh, maybe not quite that long. Um, we keep in touch occasionally, and he's been a guy that I've wanted to get on the show. He's just kind of a wealth of knowledge in the waterfall world, both on hunting and history as far as that goes. Um, we met, and actually this is an oddly timed episode based on how we met. We met at 
uh, in the pit at Tim Grounds's Hunt Club, um, probably in about 2002 or 2003, while I was on uh, a trip with a friend at the time to the Avery International Goose Calling Contest. And we stayed at Tim's house and hunted at his place a few days and actually stayed at, uh, my guest here, it's Ryan Graves. We stayed at his house a night or two as well. And uh, I kind of just knew back then that he was, we were on the same wavelength as far as hunting and uh, just kind of our thoughts on the background of it went, even though we were both much younger men at that point in time. Um, yeah. Yeah, big time. That would have been, geez, what, probably 20 three maybe back then you were probably younger than that even yeah i'll be 40 um i'll be 40 in december yeah so you're just a couple of years younger than me but anyways uh ryan's a great guy he's um do the hunts in you're out of kentucky right now correct yeah i was born and raised in um marion illinois there by the you know the crab orchard refuge but now i live in um I live in Mayfield, Kentucky, which is about about 25 minutes south of Paducah and about 45 minutes um, north of Real Foot Lake. All, all three of those, Marion, Real Foot, and Paducah, I would say are huge, huge places in the history of the waterfall world. And that's yeah. kind of what Ryan, like what I really wanted to talk to Ryan about. I mean, he's obviously, he's definitely a good hunter and that but his real connection that i kind of wanted to tap into here is his uh his knowledge and uh info on the history of the waterfall world um it's kind of one of his his big thing and i i saw his he sent me a picture of the room that he's in as we're recording this right now and it's kind of a super uh, memorabilia filled space with calls and decoys and pictures and you don't have your boat in there though do you no no <laughs> it's um if, if if it would fit in here I, I i would have it in here but um no like you know then that's funny but you know i bought that boat and um you know like my wife she's like you know what are you gonna do with that or well, why do you need that like not that she cares or anything but i'm like because it's cool yeah. <laughs> you know like I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I just want it. Well, you, you said there's, like, I think we talked earlier, there, there's really no, there's no reason never to buy another duck boat. I think yeah. I have, I have currently, four, uh, technically five boats that I would consider to be boats that I utilize for duck hunting. And I still think that I need another two or three to really complete everything that I want. So mm -hmm. like, you can never, like questioning why any duck boat is is needed is probably futile in the mind of a duck hunter. Yeah, exactly. What, what yeah, actually I, um, was the what was the model of that one? You know, I'm really not sure who made it. Um, uh, like say, you know, back then, um, you know, back then, so many you know hunters and stuff. You know, they um, you know they would make their own stuff. You know, you just couldn't go out and buy some of that stuff. But um, that like I say the the guy that I got it from. Um, I just always wanted something like that. And, you know, he said it was his great grandfather's and, um, you know, it was mainly used up around, um, um, you know, up on the Horicon Marsh. And um, which is in Wisconsin, but, a pretty, yeah. a pretty well-known hunting area in almost kind of what, like central Wisconsin, I think. West yeah. Central. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, yeah. Um, a little bit South central and, yeah. um, which, you know, I kind of thought that was neat cause, um, you know, hunting geese around crab orchard in my teens, late teens, you know, you, you always heard about, 
um, you know, well, everybody says that Horicon's stacking up with birds. So, you know, that was, and the old timers used to say once they left Horicon, they never stopped till they got to Marion. Yeah, so that's right. So, it's right in the path. <laughs> now they probably, well, they have to leave, they have to leave Horicon because I'm sure that freezes over, but they didn't, probably don't make it to Marion anymore. So, no, not, um, not like, you know, to, yeah, definitely not like they used to. I, I you know, you know, I, I can't really say a whole lot for sure on like the, you know, what the hunting's like around there anymore. I, you know, I don't know that I've went back and hunted at home and I don't know, it's probably been 10 or 12 years. Um, just, um, I don't know, you know, um, more than anything, you know, even, um, growing up around there, like I was always, you know, I was always a duck hunter first and a goose hunter second, you know, we never goose hunted until duck season went out in January. It usually went out around the first week of January. Then we would goose hunt. So, but, um, like ducks have always been my, my primary focus, but, mm-hmm. but no, they definitely don't come down like they, they definitely don't come down like they used to, but I think some clubs and stuff still, oh, they still, shoot still them. shoot some, so but nothing like old so times. My, not few, I've hunted, to me, the South, to me, Marion is in the South. And, uh, I would say I've hunted Southern Illinois, Arkansas, a handful of times, um, Oklahoma a couple times. And to me, the one thing I've found about guys in the South that when they say that there's no ducks anymore, or there's the ducks aren't down or whatever it might be that when they say that there's no ducks, that's an entirely different world than when we say there's no ducks yeah absolutely because when we say there's no ducks there literally might be no ducks but when i've been in all all three of those places and they say there's no ducks or there's no geese i said it i said at tim's place that year and we watched thousands and upon thousands of geese go over our heads and the whole talk all anybody talked about how there was no geese there like uh (laughs) <laughs> there's plenty of geese it's just they're probably educated enough that they've been there long yeah. enough that it's tough but there was definitely plenty of geese and i've been in arkansas when guys are saying there's no ducks and i've watched tens upon tens of thousands of ducks pour out of a refuge so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an entirely different frame of mind when people say that there's no ducks so yeah, i always sure. i always find that humorous but yeah um, it's a different world down here oh yeah well, it's just the end. It's the it's the landing place for all of the birds to to be there. So mm-hmm. they have to get there at some point. And there's only so much open water. I mean, there's no question that birds. The migrations have changed, but in the end, they only so many of them stay up north anymore. I mean, even where yeah, we, no, even, I mean, like I say, as far as as far as geese go, I mean, you know, they really don't make it much um you know the weather's got to be really brutal for them yep. to leave chicago no i mean now ducks and snows and specks that's you know that's a different story yeah they just go yeah they just go i mean the 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 canada just by nature they're just big lazy birds and yeah um as far as they have to go that's all they're gonna do exactly they go as far as they have to go and like saying we just you know um man you know december like mid-december of the year of 2000 was you know, the last time that um, I think the 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 geese came down in in, in huge significant numbers. Uh, you know, um, you know, I think just crab orchard. You know, that year I know it had like two hundred twenty five thousand Canada's on it, and you know, I bet you there hasn't been that many counted on that refuge total if you totaled up all the years since then. 
Oh wow! So, yeah, that's just crazy because uh, like, we because we still we we hold we don't hold we actually see you know since I've moved to South Dakota ten years ago we see less Canada's come through without a doubt, and you hear about birds in North Dakota, and those things is, they're hard enough that the fact that they don't push out of Bismarck is where it ends up being on the Missouri River, and and they sit in that just brutal brutal weather. <laughs> It's just unbelievable. You watch them. Like, I'll, I'll drive around on days when it's ten below, and you see, you know, a couple thousand geese just curled up, sleeping with their head tucked under their wing. Wind, snow piled up on top of them, and they have a snowdrift behind them from the dang wind and cold. And it doesn't seem to bother them. And they go out and feed their one time a day, and, and they don't yep. move. And but, anyways, the goose migration isn't necessarily exactly what I want to talk about today, but. Yeah, or the, exactly. or, or, and, or lack of goose migration. Yeah, man, and you know, and don't get me wrong, I like to shoot a Canada goose, but I'm a duck hunter. Yeah, <laughs> ducks. Yeah, I'm the same. I duck hunt when there. I goose hunt when there's not. Yeah. When there's not, and I'm I'm goose hunting when I'm duck hunting. But the the place we yeah choose, exactly like I say we you know we we you know if we're duck hunting and geese you know like we'll hunt them, but you know the 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 really just primarily go set out in the middle of. A, a field in um, Southern Illinois, you know, like, you know, with three or four dozen full bodies anymore. I mean, those days are, those days are over. As a matter of fact, you know, like the, um, all the places that I've even, you know, had to hunt, you know, back home, um, um, you know, are now apartment, you know, been replaced by apartment complexes or, um, oh, man. um, another distribution center, um, which is, is which which you know and um i was thinking about today you know like with tim's passing you know that's kind of been weighing heavy on me today just um um you know he always told me that like, if i ever wanted to come back home and hunt i always had a place to go and um i was thinking about that like well you know maybe i should have um maybe i should have taken him up on a, some of that more the last you know 10 12 years and i, I just didn't do it you know, it's one of those things that like I kind of want to get into some stuff with Tim, maybe just briefly here in a bit. And it's one of those things yeah. that you don't you don't think of happening until it happens, and of course, it's too late. And you know, a guy could be very philosophical about a lot of that, and just think of think of things. But I mean, the main thing is that a guy just got to take advantage of stuff when it's there, especially when it comes to people that mean a lot to you, because that's the that's the stuff that comes and goes quick and, and you, there's no way to get it back when it's gone. So, yeah, that's a fact, you know, I mean, I hadn't, um, you know, I considered, you know, Tim to be a, a great friend, but you know, like just, you don't realize how fast, um, life goes by, you know, I, I stopped thinking about it. You know, I, I seen him back in July at, um, a call show we had in Decoin. I don't know. We probably talked 25, 30 minutes, but that's the first time I've, you know, really seen him and had a good conversation and, you know, in, in, in several years. Um, but I'll tell you, man, you know, this morning, like I woke up six o'clock in the morning and I looked on Facebook and yep. I, I read that and I'm like, Oh shit. Like, you know, I mean, it, it really took me back. And like, then at first I thought or, when I, I was still half asleep, when I read it, I'm like, are they talking about Tim or Tim's dad, Bill? Like, like yeah. the, then I read it again. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, isn't that? It, I woke up and I did the same thing. I read it, and the weird thing, I wasn't shocked actually because when I read it, it didn't say the cause. 
And so I thought, oh man, a heart attack or something. Yeah. He wasn't a model of great health by any means. No. I, so I wasn't surprised to hear that other than the fact that it was just sudden, you know. Then I read the reason, like, oh man, that's a, a just the when not what you'd expect. And yeah, and yeah, because I mean, he wasn't terrible old by any means. He must have been in his what low 60s. I think he was, I think Tim was 60 or um 60 or 61. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, I mean, we talk about the geese not coming down and stuff anymore, but you know, and um, so many of these, you know, like all the old clubs and stuff, you know, they all um. Um, you know they all set up for ducks now, and and you know, and they, and they have great success. They've replaced their goose hunting with ducks. But Tim loved goose hunting so much, you know, like you know, just say I did go home or something for um, a day at Christmas or something if my parents were home, and um, which they winter in Florida now. So like during hunting season, no, you know, like there's really not, not a whole lot of need to go to go back home. But you know, you drive by Tim's and you look out there, and there'd be like you know five or six hundred um, of his shadows out there like i mean you know there might have only been 500 geese in a refuge but timmy was hunting them (laughs) that's awesome i love like this that drive to go after him yeah Yeah. that wouldn't have been his small spread if he only had 500 decoys out oh yeah oh yeah i mean they'd have been up there he'd have been calling everybody he knew to if if you know if if um he thought they were coming down and they'd have filled you know there'd have been 2500 to 3000 out there i reckon that's what i remember that that photo i, po- I posted on my instagram today a photo of uh a buddy of mine and then uh and uh tim sitting in his pit and then ryan looking back down into the pit and it was i think i i feel like there was closer to 5000 that day that we were out there i think that's what he said when we were hunting it because i remember when we drove up to his place and you looked and it was just a big black hole of goose decoys and uh, i don't mm-hmm. know. i mean and the cool thing about it was well back then there weren't the brands that there are now but every brand that was that was ever made there was some of those decoys out there and, and a lot of a lot that weren't brands they were just his homemade black yeah, black absolutely. silhouettes i mean thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of those and then I mean, there was Gene H's, and there was, I think there would have been Avery's back then, um, but there was Herders, and there was Flambeau's, Carry Lights, a bunch of Higdon's, because he was big with Higdon then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was everything under the sun, so I thought it was- Yeah, a lot of G&H, you know, Tim Tim loved G&H decoys, too. I remember he had a bunch of the shells, a bunch of their shells sitting right around the pit, and on the pits, probably, for that matter, so- but, was, yeah, uh, I mean, he was, but he was, um, I mean, love him or hate him. I mean, nobody could ever take away. I mean, Tim, Timmy was passionate about, um, he, he loved duck and goose hunting. Oh man. Like I could see that even in the few days I hunted with him, I, I, I actually think I only hunted with out there two days. Um, I think the day that we hunted, it was just the three of us, four of us in the pit. And then I hunted the next day. I don't. Maybe were you? I don't know if you were there or not, but I think Ben Stoner was with you. <laughs> yeah, Ben Stoner was in the pit, and another friend of Tim's. I don't remember the guy's name from the area. And then in the next pit over was Hunter and Kyle Ranella and one other guy. And I remember listening. I sat for a minute and just listened to what the calling sounded like as a flock would come out. You know, I mean, you had like eight of the top best goose callers not not included in that 
but eight of the top best goose callers in the uh, country blowing at these things. And you would watch them go overhead just like any other, any anybody else calling at them, and they wouldn't, and most of them we would never turn or anything. And I remember just the things he would say, it just showed how much time he had spent doing that and studying them and paying attention to what he had done and what worked and what didn't work and how the birds racket. So I, I remember, I remember thinking that he didn't have any secret ways to make a goose turn, you know, compared to anybody else, but yet he knew what was and what wasn't going to work. I think more so than most people probably would. So yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like I said, you, you, you get that when hunting, you know, the same spot all the time. I mean, I know where, you know, where we hunt day in and day out. You know, I mean, if we bring somebody new, you know, they might point up there and be like, oh, there's some ducks or, you know, and we won't even pay any attention to them because, you know, you know what's going to, you know what's, you know, you know what are going to be good working right. birds and what just, are, are not going to be. And, I, and Tim could do that there at his place. Yep. I'm just going to say, you know what, it's my favorite word that, uh, when I hunt the river down by home here, we just call them workers. And it's an old, I think it's a Barney Califf term actually. And, uh, you know, if there's some birds we won't even call at and the guys that are with that don't hunt with as much they're you can tell they're antsy and they're, yeah. you know, getting fidgety cause we're not calling. I'm like, you know, we can call at them, but I'll promise you they yeah. aren't, they're not going to do anything. And yet the next flock that doesn't look a whole lot different but yet you know they're going to do it just by little mannerisms that either yeah. how their wing beats are a height change of 50 feet yep so yeah but yeah, i noticed that with him he had without a doubt he had a had a uh well, i mean it was clear i mean he's the guy that brought goose calls to to prominence really i mean like you could say yeah. that you could say that the hesses did it or the alts did it but I mean, they didn't have the the impact that Tim did. So yeah, I mean, Tim by no Tim by no means invented goose call, but I'll say Tim perfected the goose call. Yeah, perfected it and 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 had a way to to bring it to people in a way that that without a doubt no one else had ever done before. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I can't think of what his first instructional video was called, but I mean, I used to have that thing memorized word for word and note for note in terms of. You know what what he said and what he did and i remember i back back then this was in the days of the half breed thinking if i could only sound like that someday well then oh i know and then someday i did sound like that but by then he had moved on to a whole nother level and i, I mean he was he was the guy that you emulated when you were trying to blow a goose call if you goose hunted in from 2000 on up until the up until youtube came about yeah oh yeah absolutely and i was um you know this afternoon i was um looking at facebook and i don't know if you saw that facebook video of him on there when he um was blowing the the old flute no um, i haven't yeah like so, you know a few people had just shared it today i don't know i think it was from, like from may of 2017 uh-huh you know on his page tim had said that you know a couple of people have asked him to um blow a flute call you know and, and and run through a series and just i don't know and for whatever reason i mean i and i used to be able to blow one until the short reads come out now yep. that i learned to blow a short read i forgot how to blow a flute call then you know then to be honest with you we don't blow into goose calls enough you know in which you know I, mean, I can still blow a goose call but like yeah i don't i can tell you i don't i can't blow one like i used to when we used to oh, yeah. hunt them all the time for sure but um but tim picked up that flute call and i'll tell you i just listened to it, it just made the hair stand up on your neck like, well he blows it like a flute call 
because there's a difference because yeah. I, I can blow his guy best and there's a dude um that i watch on instagram that blows one a lot just jordan keel from minnesota and he blows a flute call but he blows it similar to how i do and it's like a short read it doesn't yeah. have that quite the hollow sound and the i don't know what you call it like where you from where you go from the low to the high, it was more like an arching sound, overarching sound than what a short read is. Short read's got that sharp thing. Whereas if you blow a flute call, like you should blow a flute call, it's got that, that big hollow different sound. Yeah. And I, yeah, when you listen to him blow it, it sounds, it sounds so different than what anybody does today. So oh, it just sounds to, so cool. You know, I just find like, that. Um, I literally have, you know, like in modern terms, like in the last 15 years, have, you know, interest in, you know, listen to all the calling contests and all that goes on. But when I was, you know, a teenager, you know, 17, 18, 19, we used to go to the, um, I guess you, the Winchester, whatever the, all those oh, yeah. goose Winchester calling contests were called Marion. And, yep. and, um, and that's back when they all blew the, um, you know, the flutes yep. and, um, uh, Gosh, and just listen to those guys back then, you know, all those flute calls, you know, man, I used to think that was just the coolest thing in the world. That was like the Gary McCree, Brandon Yeah, Brandon exactly, Fletcher. Gary McCree and Alan and Richie McKnight. Yeah, and, Richie. Yeah, yeah. Alti Lanham, John Pisoni. Um, yeah, I forgot about him. Um, Wasn't Brandon Fletcher big on a flute call? Oh, yeah, while? Brandon Fletcher, man, you talk yep. about a, just a bloody dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, that area, you know, like, Marion has produced so many big-time and well-known goose hunters that it's just it's yeah it. you know fletcher was from you know central illinois and um you know like saying him and kelly and um kelly powers and yep. john ed and them they're all you know good friends he, you know he'll come down and hunt with us i don't know he probably hasn't a couple of years but man i just love when fletch comes down i mean he just um you know he's he, god he's just a killer you know we have a blast I was God. Who was I talking to yesterday about? Oh, a friend of mine that I went on a trip with is about guys that are they're just killers and you just have that instinct, and you love to hunt with them because it's such a different experience than with someone who doesn't have it. And if you have it, you know the guy that has it within minutes of hunting with them. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I I would assume he had it, and I mean most of those guys that that were from that area, especially back then. I mean, they're the ones that I know. I'm sure there's a lot of good goose hunters and callers that are from that area that are newer. I just don't know. But, man, yeah. listening to those guys on some of those old videos and at contests. Uh, Troy like, Dishner. You know, yeah, I remember Troy Dishner. Yep, and, I remember um, him. Trying to think of a few others that, um, you know, Trent Allman, Smoothie. Um, That's one I don't you know. He's know. a friend of ours down here. He, he would – you know he blew in some for a while but and, and he still does a lot of judging and stuff but but man you know back then like you know and and i don't you know i don't want to judge anybody i'm not like um you know i, I don't even go to him but just but you know back then like you went to these calling contests and like troy dishner would come out there with a full-blown you know cornfield camo um, <laughs> yep. suit on you know and it's just like but everybody back then they were just hardcore hunters and that's what they did to extend their season well, it's the goose. The goose calling world specifically has changed from, and, and I remember when people used to complain about this, even when I did it, is that they said that oh, goose calling isn't hunting related, and I was like, you know, that's baloney because those guys, because the routines, 
Yeah, you weren't going to blow exactly a goose calling your team, but the sounds that you blew, at least, you know, even 10 years ago, were all things that were super effective at hunting. But now the, a lot of the stuff has gotten just that so quiet of a, of a sound that it's not really effective for hunting unless you're working birds from five yards to four yards. You know I mean? It's, yeah. it's so and quiet. Say, I mean, you know, like, if like I love comparing, it. Like, yeah. I love the sounds and it's cool. And, and I, I haven't played around enough to really nail some of that stuff, but like, yeah. like, especially like the, the live goose type stuff, like that thing is, I mean, the, the sounds those guys make, I love it. It's cool. It just isn't, super effective as a hunting yeah. tool i don't think but, yeah. but i mean yeah, i've it's... never really had much interest in like duck calling contest at all like no. but my my interest that in if i was going to have one and to choose one it would be like the goose calling contest because you know if you think about it like oh you know you know like, like you just said nearly all the the sounds and all that you would hear come out of a goose call mm -hmm. in a goose calling contest is something you can hunt with you know and as a hunter you know that's something i appreciate you know i don't want to take anything away from the duck callers but if you listen to a duck calling contest you know a good portion of that stuff is not and i understand you know the point of a duck calling contest is to show the, just that you can control a duck call from the top to the bottom but you know but you know but a lot of the sounds you hear like all the highball and all that stuff that's not realistic where you know nearly everything you hear and a goose call a yeah. goose calling routine is something you can actually use hunting so I, okay you know, so i'll get your take on this so do you do you think in a duck calling contest you guys don't highball because we do sometimes maybe well, not I mean, maybe that's not the, a yeah. true the true ring maybe not the full-blown yeah. ring but the a very aggressive, very close to highball, if not a highball. Not, I mean, not exactly what you would hear a dude stand on stage and do, but yeah, yeah very similar to that. In in some of our spots that we hunt, we do do that when we're trafficking birds. Yeah, and I I could the you feed, know I could see that true, but I mean I think that's going to uh, you know just a big difference on um, hunting situations. You know, like yeah, you know, like. The, the main area that I, I prefer to hunt within our um, little duck club, you know, um, is a timber hole. And, you know, so no, we don't, you know, and we are mainly 90% hunting traffic, but, but um, they're close. We, but they're close. We don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really, as far as our club goes, I don't really know that any of us could do that because I don't think any of us blow a single reed duck call. Everybody, everybody's oh, blowing really? double reed duck calls. What, yeah, sorry, and, what call do you blow? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I, honestly, um, um, I still blow a, um, a DR-85 that I've had, you know, since. Really? And I've, pro and I've probably had it since 94 or 95. Um, okay, so question. Yeah. How, how does it smell? <laughs> it smells like skull 90 percent of the time uh, like what scope yeah oh, well, yeah what skull chewing tobacco oh and skull then, um, well that's an improvement yeah. over what a regular dr85 sounds like because my god yeah. they are horrendous they are you know they, they do they got a puke smell to them but oh, um and, and i can't blow one i don't really blow one like they come out of the box you know i kind of modify them a little bit oh yeah um but in the last couple of years you know i've um especially last year i've um, you know, I've never been into niches and fads and all that. And, and that's kind of what I took the whole cut down Mondo type oh, stuff yeah. to be. And, yep. and, but I'll tell you, I, I, I got one of those, um, 
Mondo um, lights, the short ones. Yep, and, that's and, what I blow to. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> it's it's changed my life. <laughs> I love I that mean, call. I, I do too. I absolutely love it, and I mean, um, I mean, you, you can you can really break them down, but um, but it's talking about you know like within our um, little club that we've got, you know, we've got some timber, then we've got some open fields and. And um, like I said, nearly all of it, we're hunting traffic. And a lot of times, you know, instead of highballing um, the ducks, you know, you know, we blow goose calls at them. Oh, really? You know, and, and like I said, we can break down ducks, um, big groups of ducks, better blowing a goose call than we can um, highball. And I guess so. I mean, we don't ever even try to do the highball. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny you say uh, that about the goose call because I, I never do it intentionally. But yet... I can't tell you how many times over the years that, I mean, where we hunt on the river, we have a fair amount of geese and more ducks, but a fair amount of geese. And we'll be calling to the flock of geese. And we're in the mode that if, if we're calling the geese and we have ducks that are working, we immediately switch to duck calling. Mm-hmm. But we'll be calling the geese, calling the geese, and they're working, working, not working. And there's a few of us, and we're pretty loud goose callers and yada, yada. And then next thing you know, someone looks, say, to the other side of the blind or the decoy spread, and you have a flock of mallards landing or just about to. Absolutely. And, you know, we I've thought about it, but I just, I guess, maybe never rec- you know thought about it, like, realized. You know, and I, it's something I hadn't, you know, I would say, you know, 20, you know, 18, 20 years ago, I didn't really think about it. And, um, you know, I hunt day in and day out with um, – um, the Powers brothers, Kelly Powers and his brother John oh, Ed, and, yep. and um, they're, and they're decent. They're decent are, goose callers. Oh, you think? Um, <laughs> you I know, love Kelly. Uh, pa- just, Kelly Powers' yeah. world, uh, like his routine from back in the day, is without a doubt my favorite goose calling routine ever. I'm, I'm telling you, like you know, Kelly's one of my um, best friends and hunting buddies, and um, you know, I don't, you know, not really having a you know, which I did follow all of his, you know, goose call and all that back then. But Kelly is just one of those people like, you know, if you hear people talk about Kelly thinking about how, you know, he mastered goose calling. Well, like, I mean, Kelly's one of the smartest people I know. Like he, um, you know, he's the most methodical person that, that you will ever meet. Like the way he broke down, you know, figured out how to win all the calling contests and all the making the routines and all that. He does that in every aspect of his life. I don't care if it's cooking steak or um, Run, duck running hunting. a business. Yeah. Running a business or duck hunting, you know, he's just very methodical about everything that he does, you know, which, um, you know, coming from Southern Illinois, you know, I always had the mindset, you know, I hunted a lot of, you know, up in the Illinois river and all that too. And, um, you know, which I've, um, you know, I was always like the, you know, the, the bigger, the better, you know, I mean, yep. that gum, you know, I'd have decoy strung out for three miles if you'd let me, <laughs> you know, and, 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 but, you know, and I, and Kelly's even taught me like, you know, he's just so methodical. He's like, think about doing things like, um, you know, how about we do this with 200 decoys instead of 600? Let's just, let's just break down where we put each individual one. I mean, he's just a, he's just a very methodical smart person smart hunter um and um and which is funny which is brother john ed which is just a phenomenal phenomenal hunter which he's a little bit more like um you know like hammer down you know let's let's throw all the decoys out we can get yep yep (laughs) is 
um, which where Kelly's like, oh, you know, like, but you know, like both both methods, you know, are, are going to work and kill birds. But you know, it's just um, time and a place for know. each. Yeah, that's cool. What, so I interrupted so, you about uh, the goose calling at ducks and just our duck calling in general. But yeah, I think that's one of the kind of the cool things about the, getting out and hunting different places, not even just different spots within your area, but hunting different locales. You learn so much and hunting with different people and how things work and it's just it the things that you take for granted at home may or may not be a key to success in another spot or it may be an absolute failure in another spot so yeah that's i mean absolutely i mean i can tell you from um you know like all the the hunting we do in our club you know the few spots that we have um you know like i say we're always hunting traffic you know, more or less than, um, then, you know, one of my best friends, John Stevens, I'll go down to his place and hunt with him in Arkansas. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's a complete different animal, you know, as to where we're running big spreads and, and, um, a lot of aggressive calling, you know, not a lot of high bomb, but just, you know, aggressive calling to where, you know, they'll go out and throw out three or four dozen decoys and, and, um, you know, and just, um, I mean, you got to call, but I mean, it's just a complete different situation. Like the traffic deal is my, is my favorite type of duck hunting. And it's the oh, most, absolutely. to me, the most rewarding. Like, I love when you roll out to a spot in the morning and you, you look and you say, okay, I think the ducks are flying over this path and this is the way the wind is. This is the way the sun is. We're going to hunt here. We're going to throw decoys out here and you don't kick a single duck out of your spot. And yet you roll out of there with 15 or 20 or whatever it is, Matt Greenheads. Yeah. I think that's yeah. one of my, the most rewarding parts about duck hunting is bringing those ducks into a spot that they weren't in before. Not yeah. that I, oh, not that I pass up opportunities to hunt the X or hunt the spot where they are, but I leave those hunts with a little bit of different feeling than I do when I'm just trafficking birds. I yeah. I love that breaking them down, making yeah. them come to where they, they weren't planning on coming there, but yet they're there and, and then you shoot them. That's yeah. I'll day. be honest. Uh, I'm the same way here, you know. I mean, I'm a um, I'm a traffic hunter. I love um, hunting backwater, hunting um, you know, hunting river. Um, but I don't know that I've ever really pulled into our hunting spot and jumped up birds. Oh wow. We get yeah, that we well, do mean, have that time. I mean, here in South Dakota, you know, we don't have enough, yeah. a lot of pressure. So there are, there's definitely some days where, I mean, I, I, there's days I've kicked out 5,000 mallards out of my spot. And then there's yeah. days where you might drive the whole like, three miles to get to your spot and you don't kick a single duck up and yet yeah. you shoot them. So yeah. I have a bit of the extreme of both depending on the day and the yeah. time of year. I mean, but I mean, that's, that's one spot, you know, and we got, you know, a couple other, you know, like flooded fields and stuff, you oh, know, you go yeah. in there and run some, you run, run some birds out, you know, yep. just two different locales. So. Yeah. Big time difference there. Oh man. Um, so you've got, did you ever take any of your, your like collectible calls with you? You know, I don't, um, you know, for one, I mean, for one, um, you know, they don't really sound all that good. Nobody really ever clicks. No, <laughs> that's kind of what really I was going to ask. Them. That's kind of what I was going to lead into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but nobody collects them for the way they sound. I can promise you that. Like, um, 
you know, and, but back then, you know, like, you know, I'm really into the, when it comes to collecting, I'm really into the early stuff. Um, you know, and, and back then, you know, um, traditionally, you know, that they didn't call ducks like we do now, you know, like a lot of times they would use them kind of like, you know, like you, you would use like an owl hooter or something, turkey hunting you, they use them more as a locating device. Cause you know, basically all you wanted to do is find out where they was at. And, and these guys, they just walk up and, you know, and shoot into them at night, oh, you know, wow. like, you know, I mean, back in the market hunting days, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, so, I mean, cause you gotta, you gotta think about it as an aspect of, you know, back then, you know, some of these things, they, they were used more as a tool for, to put, um, like we say to put meat on the table, but you know, Money that's in a pocket. different context than what it was back then, because, you know, a lot of these guys were, they were market hunters, yeah. you know, they weren't going out there and hunting for sport. The table they're talking about was in New York city or Chicago or yes, absolutely. Hundreds of miles away from where they were. Yeah. Huh. Now, granted, I mean, some of the calls, like, you know, I mean, I live in an area down here where, um, you know, around Real Foot Lake, which I don't, I don't hunt Real Foot Lake, um, but just, you know, um, I mean, that's just a kind of a, its own different world of, within itself. But, you know, a lot of those guys still use metal reed calls and, and so, um, you know, that's not a thing here at all and i've never it's really not anywhere else and i've never blown one so what would be the i mean what's the practical difference in one in terms of sound or like how you would blow it oh uh, i mean you know the the roof of lake metal reeds are going to be they're going to traditionally be large calls you know very large bore um and you know and i can see where they work you know like just i mean you they're just loud Yep. You know, super loud, you know, calling, um, you know, the migrators in. Yep. Um, but, you know, there's not, you know, the metal reeds, there's not, um, there's not a whole lot of bottom end on they're them. not ducky. Yeah, they're not real ducky. And a lot of guys will use a plastic reed collar, you know, to, um, you know, to finish birds, then use their metal reeds, you know, for the high stuff, you know. And, hmm. uh, so do you think, like, I mean, do you think they're using them just truly because of the volume because there's got to be some calls but i mean volume now, is you know volume is one thing but more so than anything it's, it's tradition because so there's got to be current calls that are as loud if not louder than a call oh yeah that. oh yeah but you know what but yeah a lot of the guys still use them i mean roof i mean roof at lakes one of those places that um you know the, the culture around there you know like um you know there's a lot of guys that <laughs> roof at lake they don't know that people duck hunt other places in the world other than real foot like <laughs> well you know, so, so, you know i'm not saying that as a slam but i'm what i'm saying no, is, no, i think a that's very, a good thing it's think, a very traditional it's a very traditional place and like and I, and I love the guys you know to carry on the tradition of um you know you know there's guys out there that still use the old real foot lake boats and um so but yeah but yeah it's it's neat that, i, I it, like just that a different aspect of it in the fact that they they do just go on as if how it was and not that and this is kind of something i want to talk about too is maybe just the the differences of um how we view the past and that but the fact that they do do that and they they don't pay attention to other stuff because there's you know there's a a, a group of there's there's places in the world that have waterfall history this whether it's good hunting or not and we don't have that here. We have amazing waterfall hunting in South Dakota and North Dakota, 
but you will but no history <laughs> but you will never go there's there's one town that i hunt by that's close somewhat close i'm not going to reveal that name but it does is it's a place where you can go and you will see some duck boats and you'll see some decoys in people's yards and maybe a duck on someone's mailbox or whatever but like i know when i go to northeast arkansas i mean every single house has got that 16 foot john boat and people have <laughs> duck decoys and, and it's just like everywhere you go you see guys in camo and dudes with stickers on their trucks yeah. and you don't have that yeah. and i love and even though that history is even different than like what i imagine real foot lake or um the east coast um like the bay mission mm -hmm. in maryland and that kind of stuff the chesapeake where the people are into it and it's more than even the even probably people who aren't the hunters are aware of it and part of it so i think yeah, that's cool uh, I, mean, around, I mean around here i mean it's just it's just it's just a way of life you know like you know it'd be hard pressed even if you find somebody that doesn't currently hunt you know i bet you they've probably been in their lifetime oh yeah you know, at least a few times where they've got relatives that they do because um you know around here like um you know there, there's you know right where i'm at you know i'm actually in mayfield but like if you t if you you know i mean it's kind of like an epicenter you know if you go like an hour and a half radius all the way around you've got you know southern illinois you've got the, the boot hill of missouri you've got uh -huh. northeast arkansas northwest tennessee west kentucky um southwest indiana wow yeah um, you, have, like, you know so you've got probably um, probably 25 percent of the biggest plate like locales in the country for waterfall hunting right there oh yeah absolutely and like you say i mean it's just um you know there's and there's a lot of public hunting opportunities um you know so i mean there's like i say there's duck boats everywhere you know every you know it seems like most all the high school kids you know you know have their duck hunting stickers in the back of their trucks and their exhaust you know the loud exhaust <laughs> i think that's i think that's a mandatory on a young duck hunter now yeah. probably got barrel stickers oh, yeah. Mo mojo outdoors or slay yeah. them and pray them or who knows yeah. whatever they're gonna say man, I, man, 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 i'm just poking fun i yeah. mean we've all no, been there that's how it is yeah that's just the way that's the way of a duck hunter it's part of the path to becoming yeah. a duck hunter at some yeah. point you have to be that part of it so um, uh, absolutely do uh, i'm so far behind i'm so far beyond it oh yeah i'm i'm finding myself removed more and more i'm well and part of it is because i'm not around it like when i was in minnesota there's a there's a, a pretty good waterfowl hunting culture there. I mean, there's a lot of hunters in Minnesota. I don't the history isn't as rich and the people aren't involved in it. I don't think as much they hunt a lot, but I don't think the history is there. Like because there's not a specific spot where it's located to. But um, I moved from there and I moved. I'm in South Dakota and I mean, like my I think my level of ability of goose calling dropped 25 percent the minute i became a resident not because of anything i did just the fact that i wasn't around it like i didn't hear it every day and i was the only guy that blew a goose call at a level yeah. like i was for a while and i just quit doing it and and same with my duck well, my duck calling maybe didn't get as bad but like i just didn't i wasn't around it and so you just you kind of you don't if you don't see it every day and if you're not around it it's just one of those things that kind of fades away yeah um, absolutely so you know on that note uh so i i love like 
because we were talking the other day a little bit just on Facebook there, and um, Ryan had actually sent me a post from somewhere with some duck calls um, up on auction that were originally from southern Minnesota, and uh, we were kind of just chatting a little bit and saying that it, collecting like waterfall stuff for the most part isn't something that I actually ever have gotten into. I've always had an interest in it, but I've never really gotten the bug to do it like i don't collect decoys and then i have i have plenty but nothing collectible well, don't, yeah, don't no. get started because man it's a mudslide when you uh, do that's, that's what i'm kind of been afraid of <laughs> is that i'm gonna do it and then it's just gonna go over the top and the same with calls like i would in like it seems if i do something i go all in on it and so i don't really do a lot of things half-ass and like calls, yeah, that's, decoys, I mean, that's my issue too. Like photos, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I would just love and just eat it up. Although I did, I did buy like a dozen older books that I want to read, and I've I've started finally um, tearing into those. But that's the kind of stuff that I I really. It's one thing I really want to do. The get more into the whole history side of it, but I always wonder when I look at a photo of a a black and white photo from 1940 of some guys duck hunting and you read the comments about it. And even my own initial thoughts about it, I always have to kind of temper them a little bit because I wonder, I always question on that kind of stuff. If we're take too sentimental about it, maybe that's not exactly the word. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we look at those photos and all the, the people that came before us with like, different set of glasses than what really it was because i always picture like i used to be that way and i thought you know what like you know because someone like what i think got me going is like someone will post a photo of their grandpa and they'll be like oh my grandpa was this hunt the hunter and that hunter like you know that guy though he was still out to kill ducks he was using the latest technology available at his time whether it was a boat or the gun or his calls or he moved from paper mache decoys to foam decoys. His intention was the same thing as we do now, any of us do now. And it may have even been the guys that that are over the top, I think, in terms of wanting to use the newest stuff and solely intended on killing. So I always wonder if maybe we have a, add just a touch bit too much of a, rose-colored look back on some of the history of it now with uh you being that guy um what what was your take on that thought well yeah i mean if, if you if you think about it though like you know like back then like you know these guys were into it too because at the end of the day they were taking pile pictures in the yep. 30s and 40s exactly <laughs> yeah i think i think it's i think they're really no different people than the guys that we see posting pictures on Facebook now, or the kids that we see posting pictures on Facebook now that you either love or you hate the individuals or you love that guy and hate that guy. I mean, it's the, the, I think it's a lot of the same thing. You know, just the difference is there's no social media. back then. There was no social media and they're wearing canvas clothes rather than Gore-Tex. Yeah, photos. Exactly. You know, and, um, you know, I read a lot of old field and stream magazines from, you know, the twenties and thirties and forties and, you know, and it, it's not a whole lot different than what you would read in the Ducks Unlimited today. I mean, look at all the advertisements in them. I mean, because obviously hunters back then, um, 
They loved all the gadgets too. Yeah, they were just as gadgety, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. like, if I, you look at like some of the old wooden decoys, that, you know, that um, us collectors, you know, treasure so much, like, um, you know, the especially the ones from the Illinois River Valley, like, you know, you'll see the ones from the Illinois River Valley, then you'll see the ones from the, you know, like the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which, you know, the, um, you know, they, they, in the Illinois River Valley, they were, they were making them to sell them because, you know, the paint is, you know, the paint is a work of art as to where, you know, a, a difference is, you know, they might have been making them in North Carolina to sell them too, but, you know, those, you know, they were making so many of them. I mean, a lot of them are just like logs with heads, basically, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, comparatively speaking, to Illinois oh, yeah. boys, and like I say, and I love, you know, vintage North Carolina birds too, but, you know, but, you know, it might just be a, a gray body and a red head, you wow. know, with, with no detail or Illinois stuff, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of the stuff from the Northeast and all that, you know, is, is, your, is your, you know, very finely painted. And, but I guess I'm, what I'm getting at is that is, you know, Charles Perdue, which was one of the, you know, the, um, the most famous decoy makers of all time. If you look at his stuff, you know, like just the, you know, the fine paint jobs and, um, even like Robert Ellison's and all that, you know, like they didn't have to do that stuff to kill ducks. New. No, nope. they were, you know, doing those fine paint jobs, you know, to appeal to people's eyes. Well, they're the, they're the high end goose decoys of the world right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 there, was, and those, there was the guys that bought them and there was the guys that bought the, it would have been pre herders, but the, the cheapest, like the stuff you said, the North Carolina stuff that was looked like a, a duck form. You know, and that's nowadays the yeah. uh, hot buys or the yeah. old flambeaux or carry yeah. lights or something like that. And, and, you know, and that's the, I mean, but, you know, even the, the Carolina birds, you know, they don't have a lot of detail on them, but man, they're just as collectible as, you know, the Illinois River Valley birds are. And, you know, and a lot of the um, Canada stuff and, you know, and up to the north, they gotta, and they bring big money, you know. You know, and, I, and, and one of the things I appreciate about like the North Carolina birds, like is, you know, those guys love, um, you know, they love their heritage out there and they're very, um, very passionate about it. And, you know, and they want to collect those birds, you know, those birds were made, you know, and, and out there too, you know, they weren't killing all the puddle duck species like we were. I mean, they were yep. making big rigs of diver ducks. Yeah. Quantity. So you, you know, so I mean, you couldn't just sit there and do all the detail and all the ducks they had to make, but, but, um, like I said, but those guys are passionate about them and they collect them, and there's a huge market for them. So, you know, I, like I said, I'm not super into the collectible side. I, I appreciate it, but I don't have a lot of specific knowledge about it. So, like when you say they bring, bring, bring a big money, I mean, what would be the average value of, what would be the peak average and minimum value of a collectible call a collectible decoy in your collection? Well, like, um, you know, in my collection, which I'm kind of, um, now duck call wise, you know, I, I'll say is when it comes to collecting, you know, I'm a vintage call collector first and, uh, a vintage decoy collector second, but, um, you know, I'm kind of specific, you know, and decoy wise, like what I like to hunt, you know, I, I mean, my, the ones that I love are, um, Illinois river birds. Um, and that's just cause I've hunted that area a lot and, um, you know, and I kind of like to collect stuff from areas that I've hunted. Yep. Um, now as far as, you know, like spreads on, you know, like my decoys, you know, I mean, I've got the Purdue's and, um, like say Burt Graves, which is no relation. 
um, which and but I don't have near the caliber of a decoy collection per se is I do a duck call collection, but you know, but I'm working on it. <laughs> it takes time. Well, for one, like, it, it, so, so one, one thing you were just telling me here earlier is that one thing you do is go around and gather pieces for other people as well. Right. Yeah, I do. Um, I, you know, you know, I'm a collector and, and I say, you know, like, I don't do anything half-ass and, and by, um, you know, by trade, I'm a school teacher. So, you know, being a school teacher doesn't leave a whole lot at the end of the month for, um, collecting old duck calls and decoys. So, you know, my collecting has to pay for itself. So, um, you know, so, um, you know, there's, I do, I do consulting for, you know, um, several different collectors and, um, you know, where I'll, you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I'll find, de- you know, I'll find calls and, and stuff for their collections and, you know, I'll buy out, you know, larger collections and, um, but you know, that's how I, you know, that's how I built my collection. That's kind of cool. I like yeah. the fact that it's, like, and it's, it, I think it's interesting that there's people that are experts in literally everything and that, you know, you yeah. be an expert in vintage duck calls. I mean, obviously there's obviously people are experts in probably solo cup pong ball or whatever. I mean, everything you can think of, but uh, I just happened to be looking at solo cups yeah. on my fridge. Right and like now. I say, I mean, like, you know, I, you know, um, not so much anymore, but you know, back, you know, like I said, I'm going to be 40, but you know, back when I was 20, like I wanted to work in the waterfowl, you know, industry, you know, I, but I never really knew what my niche was. You know, I, you know, I didn't, you know, back then I thought, you know, all I wanted to do was kill mallards, you know? Yep. Um, but, but, you know, you don't really get paid to do that. And yeah, no one uh, wants to pay me just to go hunting. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, you know, so it, it took me a while, but you know, it, um, you know, so my, my connection with, you know, being involved in the waterfowling world is just through, um, the, the collectible side of it, you know, you know, you know, 80%, I would say of that is, um, you know, high-end um, collectible duck calls, and uh, like I say, probably 20% of it's just decoys and the, the other stuff. But um, like I say, but I'm, you know, getting more into decoys than I ever have been. You know, like I think honestly, like on the duck call side, you know, I'm very peculiar on what I want to collect. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to put uh, complete collections together. You know, and I'm pretty close to having, you know, the – you know, all the calls that I want, you know, there's probably 20, 25 out there that I still want, but you know, that stuff that you just can't, you just can't go out yeah, and buy you, gotta, you can't go to the store and just pick it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, so that's what, you know, I kind of do things and I kind of do things in steps. I'm kind of a methodical person, you know, to an extent too. Yep. So, you know, it's kind of like I, I worked on all my calls that I wanted. Now I've kind of moved on to decoys and, you know, I, I mean, obviously I still collect calls and all that, but I'm, you know, I'll add the ones that I want in when I'm now that I'm working on my um, decoy collecting and stuff. Do you do anything with current calls at all? You know, I really don't. Um, and the and the funny part is, like, it would be overwhelming it, at this point. It it would, and like, I'm not somebody that's eat up with duck calls. Like for a duck call for what it is. Like my interest in in duck calls is for because they're uh, is 
them being a, a historic waterfowling artifact. Yeah. You know, like I say, I'm not one that sits around the house and blows on duck calls and buys every new duck call that comes out and yep. sits in a duck blind and just blows till, you know, <laughs> till you your know, friends can't you, stand you anymore. Exactly. And just blow to your ribs. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not that, but you know, my interest in the old the calls and stuff is more of a, from just a historical point. Um, like I say, I mean, as far as like new calls go, um, you know, I still got the old ER-85 that I've had for, you know, probably close to over 15 years or better than, and, um, you know, I got a Mondo and, and, um, I think you have to have Kelly's. a Mondo if you live south of like the Iowa border. Yeah. Like everybody that lives down there has one. Yeah. And like I say, and I, and for years I kind of thought, eh, that's just a fad, you know, then, then, um, they're loud. They're aggressive. They're brash. They're all, exactly. Then you know. Then I got to use them. I'm just like, oh man. Yeah. So there's something to them. I I carry a Mondo light <laughs> on my lanyard too, and and the layers, and those are the two. I just like them because they're loud and they're similar, call, <laughs> different but similar in, in in their effect on ducks. Yeah, so. and I'll tell you, you know, and um, you know, this kind of sounds cliche, and I hate like cliche stories, but um. You know, like where I'm at, you know, 20 miles to the west of me is the Mississippi River. Then 20 miles to the east of me is Kentucky Lake, you know, which are just huge lakes. And um, it's all public hunting, you know. And um, and one thing that I never 20 years ago, I'd have never thought I'd have had an interest in, which I do now, is diver hunting. Oh, yeah. Um, Like I said, don't. You know, I, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go diver hunting when the mallards are down, but like when everything freezes, when everything freezes up down here, like all of our stuff that, um, you know, this, you know, we, you know, we got ice eaters and we can keep water open and stuff, but you know, more often than not, the ducks just go sit somewhere and you just don't kill anything. So when that happens, I go to, you know, I've gotten to where we'll go to the lakes and put, you know, put some diver spreads together, man. And we just had a blast shooting golden eyes and buffle heads and, um, it's but it's, just this last year talking about that mondo like um i mean we're sitting on the bank of kentucky lake and a group of mallards flew over and like and i thought normally just something that like you would call out there but you know they're not even gonna even think about looking at you yeah and i got to screaming on them with that mondo and i mean you know they just flipped their asses inside out and just they was honest in no time i thought you know i mean actually i know that sounds cliche and just like one of those fig jam stories but like uh. um it happens. It happens. <laughs> but, I mean, it's fun. Actually, you know, I mean, I was just like, "Holy!" Oh, I was like, "Wow!" When you it know, and, and, when it does it and it works, and then, especially <laughs> if you saw, even if you saw it one time and it happened to be that yeah. call, now it's in your head that it's, yeah. it's the call, and that's what yeah. did it. Who knows? You could have had your DR eighty five and maybe did it, but the well, fact well, that it I was mean, with I've, the Mondo, yeah, I, I can I can tell you that I've tried it before and it didn't happen. Like so, yep. But um, I, but, I'm, know, I'm the same I, way with just, certain stuff. Yeah, so but I'm a believer in them. You talk, I'm a believer. In them. I, I love that you brought up diver hunting, and it actually, I think feeds in well just to kind of the history of duck hunting. Because as I'm, I'm, I'm without a doubt, I'm a mallard hunter. I mean, that's absolutely that's my my thing, my bread and butter, and I like it because I can blow a duck call at them, yes. they, and I I can somewhat control the situation a little bit, um, but. And I, I don't diver hunt enough. I do shoot some here and there. Um, but what happens for us is the divers are here at the same time that the mallards are. And, yeah. And I know it's the same thing with me buying an archery deer license. 
is that rut is when the mallards are here and, yeah. and I never use my archery deer license and I never use my diver decoys and I have always <laughs> have both. But, and I, what I, one thing I would love to be able to change in duck regulations is to have a diver limit and a puddler yeah. limit yeah. so you could do both. So you could go shoot your mallards in the morning and go out in the afternoon or vice versa, however you want to do it and then go hunt divers because it would be so fun to do it. And, and I always, and I've always said that I think that the guys that diver hunt tend to be more involved. This is my take more involved in what we're talking about today is the history part. More of, nostalgic, more nostalgic about hunting yeah. than the average mallard hunter. There's, yeah. there's definitely guys, there's some guys that do it that are into it like that. But I think if you took the a cross section of diver hunters and a cross section of mallard hunters and asked them how important history and nostalgia was to you, the diver hunters would rate quite a bit higher on that scale than the typical mallard or puddle duck hunter would. Yeah. Now, yeah. And you're probably right on that. And, but you know, the funny part around here is like, you know, everybody for, you know, I would say 98% of the people in this area, I mean, are mallard hunters, puddle duck hunters. Yep. And, you know, we got these big lakes over there, Kentucky Lake, which is, you know, I don't know the, how much square miles it is, but it, it's huge. Yep. <laughs> And and at times, you know, it holds a phenomenal number of um, of divers. And um, you know, the thing about it is, the whole lake is pretty much public hunting. You can go anywhere you want. But and um, you know, I'm not giving away any secrets here. I mean, and I don't I don't want to you know to sound like it's the most phenomenal hunting in the world because it's not. Yeah. Know, like, but you know, there's days you can go out there, man. You can just have a, a great um great diver hunt um but there's very few people out there that do it you know and a lot of the i mean you will see some hunters at kentucky lake but most of them are hunting back in the bays you know try to kill a wood duck or a mallard or something like that yeah. and, and believe me if i go to kentucky lake i'm not going out there to shoot a mallard or a wood duck yeah you know um, you know like i said the the, the golden eyes you know that that gets addictive and the thing about them is they kind of work like mallards you know they don't circle like mallards but they come in from high they and, do and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, do it. Yeah, I remember. Buffies, you know, they fly a foot off the water, and you know they're on you before you know it. But yeah, because you don't see them on the horizon. Yeah. I was looking at a God. Who was it? It wasn't a Cuba print. It was a. I think it was questioned on a. There was a guy asked the question of what print it was, and it was a print of like a half dozen golden eyes coming in. I think someone said it was a moss print, and I looked at that print and I'm like that brought back so many memories i remember the very first time that i ever shot a gold and i even saw him in a hunting situation and i was in college and with a friend and that was such a cool thing the way they came in the sound the way they ripped into the decoys and all i remember seeing was black and white just in a flurry and all of a sudden they're in the decoys and we shot them right as they were landing and we yeah. dropped a few of them like there was like three or four of them between two of us we barely knew. I mean, I knew what they were, but I'd never seen them. And that print, I remember that thing that brought back like so many memories. And I've never had a print do that to me. I'm like, mm -hmm. I was like, God, I want to get a hold of that. And I should almost, I should have emailed the guy to buy it. But I'm not exactly a gold eye hunter, so I don't. But yet, the print, yeah. the print did actually mean something to me. So yeah. I, I, I do like golden eyes, and they, they also mean. I mean, they're around at a cool time of the year. They're not going to be around in for us in early september they're here in yeah. late november december so 
which, which is odd, which I'm not going to say I'm not a, um, um, a gold eye hunter. I guess I'm a guy that goes gold eye hunting. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. There would be a difference. Um, yeah, you have, um, you're an, oppor- but, an opportunist. Yeah, I'm an opportunist when I say, because, I mean, you know, I, I live and die by the mallards and puddle ducks, you know, mainly yeah. mallards. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the funny part is it seems like you can kill them, uh, like, from the beginning of the season till the end. You know, it usually seems like, you know, the last month of season is, the you know, was is not as good as the first month, you know, the first 30 days. But I suppose you guys open in november mid-november probably yeah no we um we um kentucky opens up um kentucky opens up on thanksgiving day and it'll go Friday, saturday sunday then um then come back in have a week split and now tennessee will be um it comes in that saturday and sunday for two days after thanksgiving then it comes back in like about the 5th or 6th of December and goes all the way to the um, last Sunday in January. Okay. So you guys are late. So that would be, you would be, your your better hunting would be towards the end of our season, which means they would have already, that's when they're yeah, on, on the mean, move which, through to you. So that would make sense. That would coincide. Yeah. No, I mean, it seems like as far as mallard hunting and stuff goes, um, you know, in Tennessee, it just seems like... Um, you know, we have better success in January than we do December. But um, like I said, but it also all that, just, there's so many variables, you know, that like it all uh, what, yeah. depends on water. And well, this year for us already, like I, I was actually planning on going on uh, Mueller hunting again here tomorrow, a week ago, if you asked me, that's what I was going to be doing tomorrow. But we have some, we have really, really good duck numbers. I stumbled upon a couple, some, an area that's awesome. So I probably won't be doing that for at least a couple of weeks. So those birds are shot up enough that maybe it peters out a little bit. But like typically, yeah. I mean, I think it was last year, this time of year, I took like a 70-mile drive on my way home from work one time, and I didn't see a single bird. Whereas, I mean, Christ, just the other day, I saw probably two to 3,000 on the spot I hunted on a public piece, yeah. and there was nobody else hunting it. So, yeah, like yeah. A, a year, one year can can change, or a week it within the season can change so much yeah so, yeah you got and it. i saw i guess those a couple nights ago i saw in the uh, terry swalls uh, he's a meteorologist maybe out of iowa or somewhere maybe the, I don't, you know maybe up there somewhere but it looks like next week like um north dakota and in um you know southern saskatchewan southern manitoba yeah. looks like gonna be getting some weather so there um, i was talking to a friend of mine about doing a hunt in a certain part of Montana and he sent me back because he lives there and he's working there right now and he sent me a weather forecast and it was going to be 20 degrees one night and 18 the next and I said ugh because I'm going with the intention of hunting some smaller like small pothole type stuff yeah and I'm like ugh that, those two don't work together very well so yeah it's killing me right now because you know it's it's always a tough time of year for me like when you know like i was telling you the other day like i mean here you are getting ready for opening day and i mean we're still two months months. away from i hear that a lot you come on up you need to come up and chase some ducks here in about three weeks they'll start getting good yeah i do have all next week off work so (laughs) if you want uh i got no options for you then because our uh, (laughs) our licenses we'd have to hunt we'd have to hunt in a different 
a little bit different locale because all of our licenses are. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot how all that goes. Yeah. But I do. I do have a workaround for some of it, but not for this time of year. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but um, no, it's just always just just seeing like everybody's Facebook pictures of you know of and oh yeah um, yeah we're Instagram. full swing. I'm kind of new to Instagram. I, I didn't really know how to do that until my wife kind of taught me last week. <laughs> I was man, I didn't do it till three three years ago. Now I started, and I don't hardly even touch Facebook anymore. Just there's too much baloney on there. And, it, there is, and like say, there's one. I, if I'll tell you if there's um. Yeah, if anybody's got any interest in um, old decoys, and this is the only reason I think I keep Facebook is because there's a um, decoy page on there called Southern Decoy, and it is just some of the you know the most knowledgeable and top collectors in the country, and it's there's no bullshit, you know, it's not like you know some of these you know call sites oh, yeah. and just just makes you just want to smash your head through a window i mean it's you know it's a good site now honestly if it wasn't for that i would probably not even um have facebook and um but you know i've been thinking about it. i just wanted to find a way to um you know just kind of promote a hobby um of collecting and my wife's like you know do instagram you know that you don't mm-hmm. have to all the bullshit that you do on facebook it's, so yeah it's way less so, well, and it's and the, the cool thing about it is that it's targeted i think it's way, yes, it's way easier to target what you're following there than it is because you don't have yeah. the, you don't have the high school friends you know as much you don't have yes, all that yes, baloney yes. of just the stuff that you feel like you're guilted into yeah. to following you just you pick and choose who you want to follow i mean like my the people i follow it's a hundred percent almost duck photographers duck hunters maybe a couple bands that i like and that's it i don't follow yeah, any exactly if, if and if someone posts stuff that i don't like and if i don't know them i'm like oh just done and you're out of there so yeah, yeah. it's 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 a, it's been a super cool i mean for me it's been a super cool way to connect with people and and do that and, and i've learned a ton off of it whether it's about hunting style, places, people, all that kind of stuff. So I've dig it. I, I've noticed that you started to post a bunch of uh, a lot of yeah, your actually, memorabilia I, I really stuff like on there. It, so. I didn't even know. I, you know, I, I'm not like an overly techie person, but like, you know, I knew what hashtags were and all that, but I didn't really know what they were meant to do. Yep. So yeah, just, my wife, you know, so she had to, you know, kind of walk me through that. And but I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I could see myself not even looking at. You know, other than that decoy page on yep. Facebook, Jack on Facebook anymore. That's kind of what I am now. I just I I cl- open it once a day or twice a day, maybe just to kind of see yeah. if anything exciting is happening, and then move on to whatever else is going on. And I do get you know, and I do get a lot of private messages on through Facebook of um, if somebody finds old calls or decoys and stuff like that. So I mean, I, I hate to get rid of it for that aspect. Well, you know, you say that you I know. I actually use Facebook more as an email. But then I wonder if you can delete your Facebook app and just keep. You could just keep Messenger. Cause that's probably all I really need. I use, probably so. I use, I use Facebook more just as a, my email yeah. client than I do email. Just seems but, easier to find people that way. Yeah. Uh, um. You know, I was gonna ask you. So, on the collectible side, do you think there's what kind of like I was gonna say. Uh, this is one thing I think about, like the products of today and the marketing of today. Do you think there's anything out there currently in production, whether it's big production or handmade stuff that's going to be highly collectible in the future? 
I mean, you know, I want I want to say yes, but like, but that's just one of those like, you know, I I don't really know like, um, but but I'm I also see like I'm solely like a vintage collector, and that's all I have interest in. So that's like, so like, to me, no. I, I think <laughs> probably not. Yeah, but but it's all um, but you know how there's guys out there that. You know that collect every rich and tone that comes out, and um, which I have know, to say, there I seems find to that be a little bit over the top. Yeah, <laughs> right but as much um, as I love rich and tone calls, <laughs> I don't have any desire to own every single yeah, color and, of every single call. But traditionally, like, and 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 I often also tell people sometimes too, like, you got to think about why things are valuable and why things are collectible, like. Um, you know, like the old stuff is, you know, there's not, there's very limited of it. You can't just go out and buy it. Yeah. Scarcity Um, on its own, even, even outside of quality or practicality of an item can make it valuable. Yeah. Now, like to me, I mean, I get like, uh, you know, I get a rush out of like, you know, I've never done a drug in my life, but I, I would have to think that the the feeling that i get when i unearth a duck call that's been in somebody's drawer for a hundred years and never been touched would have to be kind of like doing a drug you know that high oh, off yeah. of it and, like, yep. and i just don't know that you could get that same rush by calling um um you know final flight and ordering a new echo you yeah, know like to put in your collection i mean i don't know what i mean there's nothing that really um interest to me in that but but you know also people but but you know as far as like um um you know mass produced stuff you know i don't really think so but but then but you know there's a lot of people that collect contemporary you know made decoys and um you know there's a a company um who's the company that's making like a wooden decoy now um is it like there's several it, several uh, there's several like out there that are like, semi mass produced i mean they're more than a dude sitting in his garage okay yeah i'm not for sure they're, i mean they're not like i think I can't, it might be lifetime that they make yeah. they make like i think it's a wooden decoy and they have that look of a collectible decoy yeah but as so, far as you know like bringing you know you know the stuff might be collectible and and all that but it's yeah they're not gonna be they're not gonna be on a collector shelf yeah but as far as you know like the stuff the, the vintage stuff that pulls the prices um that the vintage stuff like today does i you know i i don't think so i mean i think um, i think it's tough and i think the same could go <laughs> oops i think the same could go for uh, like baseball cards almost is that once a once a field uh, like a certain sector of the of this pastime div- and it's recognized that things within it are collectible that beyond that point is when things become new things become less collectible or and the values will never be there because people are actively collecting them as the things are coming out yes exactly you know, like and when purdue was making his duck calls no one was buying them and putting them on duck calls or on shelves no no but now every the how's that josh rod i think it's raggio i mean like his calls look amazing and there's all these other like really fancy really cool duck calls that are made but they're nothing slipping under the radar 
of yeah, no. of coolness and the people get them and the people who want them have them and then they're producing yeah. enough of like them. Like I say, I mean, th- they might be collectible someday, but you know, I mean, you know, the stuff, the the old calls that I like to collect. Um, um, I don't know if I ever got to it earlier. I know you asked. I mean, I've got duck calls that you know is worth as much as eighteen, twenty thousand oh, dollars. That's know, awesome. Uh, and um, you know, I'd say the kind of the, the lowest end that I've got, you know, is probably five hundred in between five hundred and probably you know a thousand bucks but you know and there and there's stuff that um you know that you can get for much less um but i'm one of those like i'm all about quality over quantity yeah there's um duck call collectors out there that have got you know two thousand duck calls you know and they might have two or three hundred good ones now you know i've got you know i've probably got 265 in my collection but um but they're all good ones Wow. That's cool. Um, I'll have to see you know, that. I need to one thing I wanna do is I wanna <laughs> wanna get down to somewhere in like your neck of the woods, places that have all this history and, and probably could even do another one with you at some time is just do them do a bunch in person with places like that and, and Yeah, absolutely. Check, and that's kinda what like I want. That's kinda what I wanted to do with the Instagram is just the you know and the me, you know, me and John, we talk about this a lot. John Stevens, like, you know, there has to be ambassadors for this stuff. And unfortunately, you know, this, um, like I said, I'm going to be 40 in December. I'm probably the youngest vintage call collector that, you know, that is like literally serious about it, you know. And, you know, but most of them are in their upper 70s, 80s, you know. So, you know, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be backfill. Someone to you carry know, it on. You know, and I've, you know, I'm as guilty as, as others, but like, I'm literally trying to uh, make a valid effort in, um, you know, educating, you know, people about this stuff. Cause I want people to collect it, uh-huh. you know, like, I, 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 well, it's you know, I tell people all the time, I mean, I like, you know, I don't collect this stuff for the money. Like, um, you know, if just, you know, if this stuff, all I have in here, you know, if 20 years down the road from now, if it's not worth anything, I really don't care. I mean, cause that's not why that's not uh, an I collected. Yeah. I mean, I buy it as an investment. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't want to lose my, I don't want to lose my yeah, ass on it either, sure. but um, I'm going to collect it no matter what, but I want to bring in people you know, collecting and um, like I say, and there's a fine line of like and, and how to do it. But I think just putting the stuff out there and just um, because one thing, you know, like if, if you know, there's so few, you got to think about when, when like there's a ton of decoys out there. You can buy decoys, old decoys, just about any day of the week if you want, because you know these old decoy rigs and these hunters, you know, they would have 250, 300 decoys. But how many duck calls did they have? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One. Yeah, one, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, so like you can duck call. Good old duck calls are not readily available. You can find some at auctions, and and most of it does. You know, um, you know, changes hands privately. So you know, people can't get into collecting if there's if they don't know anything about the stuff, and if there's nothing to buy. Oh yeah, um, well, yeah. It, so it's not something that you really just stumble into either. I mean, you you kind of have to work your way into it. It's not. And I mean, I, I, you know, being a collector, I think is a personality trait. I don't, I mean, like both of my parents are collectors. You know, my dad is into old cars and like my mom just, I mean, not like 
they're not into it like I am yeah. this stuff, but they just always like antiques and stuff. And, but my whole life, I've always been a collector of something, you know, f- for years when I was a little kid, it was baseball cards and it wasn't, um, it wasn't buying 1986 tops in yep. 1986. I, I would save my money and I would buy Mickey Mantles and, and stuff like that. I've just always been into the vintage stuff and, um, and like saying that just kind of carried over to um, waterfowl hunting for me. That makes sense. There's, there's like a an air to about it of on the unavailability in that it's almost you know it's almost like a hunt. I assume that's part mm-hmm. of your, the fun is like the hunt factor of it. It's like it's it why is. it's I, why no, it's I, why actually, I like absolutely. to to go find asparagus. I don't really like to eat asparagus as much as I like to go find it or a same with a morel mushroom. I, I love yeah, the, absolutely. The, the chase of it is more than the search is more enjoyable than the actual end product of it. So I yeah. Agree. And I mean, like I say, you know, I mean, I acquired a duck call back in June that man, I have been chasing this thing for probably five or six years now. Like, um, you know, and it's a great call. It's a um, Charles Quimby call out of um, um, up on the Illinois River Valley, and and once I got it, it was like you know, it's 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 a, it's a very good call in my collection. But but you know, it was kind of like it was all about that thrill of hunting that call and getting it. Yeah. You know, so as soon as I got it, put it up on the shelf. Guess what I'm doing? I'm after the next one. Yeah, a little anticlimactic <laughs> so to just, get it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but like I say collecting, it's just, it's just fun. Like, you know, and people are just collectors, you know, like John Stevens, my buddy, he like, he is just a, he, if you listen to his mom and dad talk, I mean, he'll, he'll collect anything and he gets <laughs> rid of nothing. Oh, um, like, I mean, like his dad talks about, you know, like you ought to see his matchbox collection, you know, he's from, he's a kid, he collect bottle caps and, and, uh, matchbooks and wow and just I mean, he clicks everything stereo equipment you know um i mean obviously his main collecting thing he's always been interested is vintage old duck calls and and has probably one of the top two or three duck call collections that exist wow um and for a year many people didn't know that he had it, but you know john growing there up in, in stuggart when I was a kid you know collecting that stuff you know all right there at your fingertips basically just, yeah i mean he was the kid that was into the the duck hunting and the duck calling and there would you know people would give him calls and like you know he got you know his you know mom's side of the family he was um you know was into hunting and you know, saying he got his grandpa's old calls and all that stuff but you you have to live in an area it's going to be very hard to collect duck calls from south dakota oh yeah you know well, what I mean? everything's I mean, long it's distance gotta be gotta be found online whereas you know down here i mean there are no telling where they'll show up you know they're because oh at a, you probably run into them at a garage sale occasionally you can i mean i'm usually not that lucky yeah um but you know, there's. Um, I usually um, get them after somebody found them at a garage sale. And have to <laughs> so the price went from five dollars to five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, the thing about it around here is, for as decoys, like I can't really collect decoys as much as I do calls around here because, you know, all your, you know, custom decoys from back in the day was Illinois River, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan you know, Ohio, then all of the East coast, you know, now as far as duck calls go, you know, Wisconsin had a little bit, Michigan had very few, 
Minnesota had a, a decent amount, um, but your vast majority of all your um, high-end duck calls, Illinois River, um, the state of Arkansas, um, you know, a um, little bit Missouri, Louisiana, and um, um, West Tennessee, and, and, that, and that's where all your old your your valuable calls come from. Makes sense. I mean, it, you know. the, this the duck calling but, culture yeah. is strong. Even even today, I would say stronger in all those Absolutely. places. Like Minnesota is a land of a million <laughs> duck hunters. Um, but we, well, until recently, we didn't have a ton of. They didn't have a ton of great callers yeah. like duck calling. You got to think duck about calling. the species. Yep. Yeah. Duck calling has you know, always been a thing of the south. Goose calling yep. has typically been a thing of the north yeah the decoys are all made in areas where you know primarily divers you know like um you know outside of the illinois river valley i mean to find a good illinois river valley diver decoy is you know those are pretty scarce you know a lot of that was mallards but you know like your minnesota's wisconsin's michigan you know most of your carvers all of them those were all people that carved diver you know the 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 hunting was mainly diver related. Yep. And now like I say, and there is, you know, down here and the South, you know, there was, um, you know, I don't really know of any, you know, old decoy makers. Huh? Yeah. I guess, I mean, my limited knowledge, I would, I would, I've, I've associated Minnesota as a pretty good source of that. Just from the little bit that I know about it. Yeah. The Minnesota has got a, you know, great heritage tradition of, um, you know, old decoys and, um, you know, probably I mean, more so old decoys and um, old boats than, than duck calls. But, I mean, there's still some great duck calls. You know, there's some, as far as decoys go, there's, um, oh, shoot, what's that lake up there? In Minnesota? Um, yeah. It's just um, a, there's a few. Swan Lake was a big one. Uh, Heron, um, Heron Lake. Heron Lake. That's the one yeah, I'm thinking Heron of. Heron Lake. Lake was, Heron Lake was his, um, huge duck hunting. I just went through. I went by that uh, <laughs> a week ago. I was just passed it yeah. and had to but, stop. Yeah, it. there's some there's some great decoys from Heron Lake. And the funny thing, like, and they're considered, you know, like the Heron Lake model, you know, because they, you know, all the different carvers, they, they all kind of have the same look. And there's kind of an odd-looking decoy. But, you know, Heron Lake birds are um, – you know, if you ever get a chance to, or know somebody that's got some old Heron Lake decoys, you you might want to go. You might want to take them to lunch. Befriend them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to take them on duck hunt. Take them to lunch. That lake was only. Oh man, that had to be. It wasn't that far from my hometown. It's only. Well, it's actually not far from where it's about almost half, probably halfway between my hometown and where I live now. Hour and a half away, maybe. Yeah. So. Um, if you get a chance on Google, like type in the name Joe Mar, like. Last name is M A R R. Uh huh. And um, like I said, he was a Heron Lake carver. And um, like I said, they're just some great decoys. Kind of looking him up as we speak here. Yeah. Oh, I got that's not the right guy. I'll have to do a little more in depth later on. Yeah. I don't think he works as an educator at uh, such, and such <laughs> school. <laughs> yeah, I'm, he, I'm forget what he did, but he also he cut. You know, he would go to Sioux Falls too and cut hair. He was a barber, like, but he was mainly, I don't know if he was from Sioux Falls, but did all of his duck hunting at Heron Lake or if huh. it was vice versa and he just went to Sioux Falls for, but you well, know, it, his, would, it would make sense because back then at that point in time, we even know what 
I mean, if it's anything collectible back at that point in time when he would have been making them, uh, South Dakota would not have been the duck hunting spot. It would have been Minnesota. Would yeah. Have, would have been the place where the ducks were and over the last year. Yeah. That's, that's changed. Yeah. But yeah. And there's some also some great Minnesota decoys. A guy by the name of John Tax, um, T-A-X, you know, like, um, you know, very collectible, very valuable birds. Huh. You know, that's just something that if you're not like, I mean, growing up, I just didn't have anybody that did it around me and just miss out on it. And it's probably one of those things that, you know, maybe for the better, I didn't get into it, but I kind of wish I would have. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, is now talking to you about it, it makes me that much more interested. So I'm going to, it's, yeah. you're probably, the bad pro, you're the probably bad leading me. me. If you find one bird, you yeah, know, like, that's, uh. that's what's going to happen. You're going to lead me down this path that I'm going to be Googling these guys tonight. And then, yeah. Next thing I know, I'm gonna start looking to see where some yeah. are, and then it'll, yeah. it'll go further and, there's a, and further. and there's a there's a big book. You know, there's a book on Minnesota duck calls, and there's a book on Minnesota um, duck decoys. There's um, a guy by the name of Doug Lodermeyer. I think he's you I, know from the. I do know that name actually. Yeah, he's the author of them, and um, you know, and they're and they're good books. Cool. I'll have to check that stuff out and just. Even it's one of those things I want to be even more just knowledgeable about the history and habits and and the the things it's, the things of duck hunting, but also just the the uh, the people that did it and how they did it. I mean, because I, I honestly did not when you told me about the thing about how a duck call was used to locate ducks, I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, absolutely. I never would have guessed that. So, but I, you know, I, I mean, something. for me, like, um, which you know, I. I don't have a ton of hobbies. Like, uh, you know, I don't even really know that I want to consider myself a full bone sportsman because, you know, I don't bass fish. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, yep. you know, I don't deer hunt. Um, yep. you know, I don't really turkey hunt, you know, I mean, I'm a waterfowler, um, yep. and everything that, you know, really every aspect of my life is, is um duck related you know i mean i wouldn't know my wife if it wasn't for duck hunting um <laughs> perfect you know it's like every i mean <laughs> i mean i don't I, I can't really think of anything about my life that's not um that i got really is from duck hunting and like so for me like you know it's it's duck hunting and collecting duck hunting memorabilia i dig that I'm not, yeah. I, I used, I was that way until a couple of years ago when I've expanded a little more just to do some other things, but yeah. well, like everybody that I'm friends with, everybody that I hang out with is a duck hunter and most of them are like, be like you or me that we, we identify as a waterfowler. Like all the other things I yeah. do are just simply because there's not duck hunting going on at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like, you know, I mean, I, I like dirt track racing. I, I, I follow, you know, world about all sprint cars and dirt late motor racing. And, but I mean, that's not really a, yeah, something I participate in, you know, I yeah. enjoy watching it. Um, but, but when you know, you can squeeze it, it in probably. Yeah. And, and, and that all happens when duck season's not in, Yep. you know, yeah. um, one of the biggest races of the year, like, you know, dirt track race of the year is in January in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd love to go to it. And my dad, you know, tries to get me to go all the time. But like, you know, it's the second week of January. I mean, yeah, it's not happening. The, yeah. You take the king of England to pull me off the Mississippi <laughs> River that time of year, you know, not I mean, just not doing it. 
you know it's um, funny it, it, there's there's a lot like, always that kind of stuff happening whether it's so like i i go to a ton of music concerts and um there's always something like it seems like my favorite guys always come nearby in november and never I'm like i just there's never gonna be a way i'm ever gonna see them if that's yeah. the only time they come like you need to kick your schedule up or back two months one way or another because i just can't yeah. ever see them so, yeah. But yeah like you say i mean like all of my friends and um you know i talked to a few friends from back home but i mean very very few and they're duck hunters oh yeah <laughs> you it's, know and um you know and um you know and down where i'm at now you know like you know i mean that's all i've got stuck hunting friends i mean outside you know i mean i've got obviously teaching friends from work and stuff but like but as far as you know like friends that i associate with it's all has to do with duck hunting or duck calls or Wait, what else would you talk about when it mean like yeah. what it means as much to a person and you spend as much time doing it you don't want to talk yeah. about the latest episode of whatever tv show i mean yeah, I imagine you're like me, like everywhere you're driving, you're looking at duck hunting spots and you're everything you're thinking about and yes. boats and blinds. How can we hide the blind better? And God, do we need yeah. these many more decoy? I mean, yeah, all, <laughs> everything is that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a day goes by. I mean, I would say there's not an hour that goes by that I, I that I don't think about duck hunting. <laughs> Dude, we need to get you up here to the Northland <laughs> and get your season started a little bit sooner. Yeah, I, yeah that would be great. That'd be great. Those two months, those two months before our season comes in and saying like everybody's stuff, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> uh, I, I see. I'm lucky in that South Dakota, we start almost as soon as anybody and our, I'll be hunting within an hour of my house until almost mid-January. Yeah. The ducks. And our goose yeah, season goes yeah, until yeah, February. That's phenomenal. So I'm like, I can just rotate my hunting around a little bit because we have some different zones. And yeah. we're really a long season. And it's I'm not, we're not as good as like the Pacific Flyway, but we're okay. Yeah. We're, we're sitting pretty good. So I got, I got to say, I've got, you know, when it comes to wives, you know, I probably got the best wife in the world, but man, and she never says anything to me about any of my duck hunting or any of this collectible stuff. But if our season was more than 60 days, she might <laughs> <laughs> start to have a few more reservations about it. So what did yeah. I get into? Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, she never barks, but I mean, you know if she does bark then i usually need a it's because i need a barking you know oh yeah there's a time um, <laughs> where you gotta get, gotta get back in line a little bit yeah and that's usually about the last 10 days of season but man i'll tell you what you know usually within the last i couldn't imagine our season being longer and all that because uh, you know i'll be honest by the time ours is worn out. Done, my ass is worn out you know, mm -hmm. you know i have people ask me all the time you know we have you know we you know, we could, um, which we can spec hunt until like the 14th of February. Yep. And, and, and we might go out and do that a time or two. I mean, but, you know, to see these guys that chase these snow geese from uh -huh. February 1st to through March and April, I mean, uh, yeah. shoot, I'd rather, I'd rather have my ass whipped. Yeah. I'm not a snow goose hunter. I can't, uh, I can't get into it. Yeah, I, I, can, can, I can do it once or twice, but I just don't have a desire. Yeah, like I said, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you called and said, I've got, you know, man, I've got, I've, I've already got the 6,000 decoys set out. All you got to <laughs> do is bring a, bring a gun and Come two and cases of shells. Yep. You know, I mean, that has to be there in two seconds. Yeah, but, it's fun. But, you know, those, yeah. It's just not, <laughs> the, uh, it's not my, it's not my gig exactly. So it's a little too mechanical, too much, too many gadgets involved. 
for me. Yeah. Too oh, muddy. Oh, that too. Yeah. No, thanks. I, yeah. I just don't hate him that bad that I need to be yeah. out chasing him that long. I mean, I guess we probably should with the numbers, but me, I mean, I'm just not that mad at him, man. No, I'm not, I'm not either. I, I concur. I'll do it once in a while, but it's not yeah. gonna, it's not going to be my spring. I'll take photos and I will uh, chase turkeys yeah. in the spring and call her good. Yeah. Like so we do have, you know, down here in Kentucky and Tennessee, we have an early wood duck and teal season. You know, and if conditions are right, you know, usually around that time, though, it's so dry and yeah, and, yeah. and hot that, um, but, but, but that it's not fun. When it doesn't um, feel like hunting. It doesn't feel like duck hunting. It, it doesn't. And, you know, and if conditions are right, I'll go out and all that. But, you know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly afraid of snakes, but, um, yeah. but I'm, but I'm not a huge fan of them. And, and, you know, down here, you know, we, with all the cotton mouse and all that stuff, you know, Ugh. If you want to find one, you know, <laughs> they're there to find. Yeah, go tail hunting or wood duck hunting in September. Ugh, no thanks. I'll t- <laughs> I'll take our uh, our ten below boat launches over dealing with cottonmouths. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, and honestly, I mean, the only time we've really got to worry about them is, um, you know, towards the end of October when we start brushing duck blinds and stuff like that. Because I think you know I'd have to do the, uh, you know. What is that? What is that website? Google that shit or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I think I'd have to Google it. But I think they say like cotton mouse. They don't can't be in water under seventy four degrees or something like that. Oh, that's good. So you know, so by the time hunting season comes in, you know, we don't ever see them. But uh, oh god, Ugh. But, no thanks. Yeah, and there's a few times that you know back in um, my pre married and pre kid days, we would go to Realfoot Lake and wood duck hunt in September and. You know, and I never really did see one, but you know, it's kind of hard to enjoy your hunt when you're constantly looking. Oh yeah, you were so, just worried. I'd be worried about yeah. my dog too, more than me even. I think. Yeah. Just nervous so, they but, get bit. Yeah. I don't know how I'm it affects out. them, but no, no thanks. I'd yeah. Be on that. Yeah, and I know, like, um, you know, like one of our big blinds we've got in one of our farms, like, um. You know, it's very sealed off and everything. Like, you know, we close it up at the end of the season and go in there in January and and um and I can promise you that I'm never the first one in there every year. <laughs> go ahead. You're 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 more than welcome to be the first yeah. one in. I don't know if it was Kelly or John Ed went in, you know, this year first and like there was a big old snake. And um like I said, we never did figure out where the snake was. Uh yeah. But, that's yeah, gross. but I'm also gonna tell you I didn't go looking for it either. You know? No, no, he can be on his own. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be good not knowing where they were at, yeah. as long as I knew that they where they weren't. <laughs> yeah, that might be more important. But yeah, but you know, like you know, um, like I said, we've got them, you know, pretty thick around here. But you know, down around you know in Arkansas and those rice fields and Ugh. and you know and and just the, just the river bottoms in general, the Mississippi River bottoms and just all these tributaries we got, you know, just. Full of those things. Ugh. Yeah, I've always been there yeah. in January, so I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, no, yeah, you're good. That, that might be, and, might mean, be part of the reason why. Yeah, I mean, if you see I'm one in January, then... you could pr- pretty much pick it up, you know. And well, they're probably like stiff, gonna, stiff as a yeah, board. Probably then, probably. Stiff, you know, it's not yeah. gonna, it's not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna test that theory out, but <laughs> no, no. Yeah, let me know how that works. I mean, you I'm just guessing. Poked with a gun barrel would be about the closest I'd get to him. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Well, hey, I'd probably let you run and let our uh, folks here listen. We've talked for two hours, I think, and 
every time I keep trying to limit it <laughs> hour, hour and a half. And it just seems like everybody is interesting enough to talk to that we blab on for however long it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're, well, passionate, maybe not quite we're passionate about this stuff, you know, yeah. like I can, I can, you know, we'll, we'll have to do it again. You know, yeah, I, can, I can talk definitely. about this stuff for one of these days, can, uh, maybe during season, I'll try to this year, if I can, if I can finagle it once we wrap up with seasons here and, Maybe I'll buzz down that way and put together a couple of hunts and line up a bunch of people to talk to and it'd be kind of fun to come do, yeah. do some of these in a in a waterfall rich area too. So Yeah, it's neat. It's um it's a neat area. There's um like I said, there's definitely plenty of um I'm not gonna say there's great public hunting down around here, but there's um there's public hunting if people want it, you know, if they that's one thing down here, like um you can always find somewhere to go hunting. Oh yeah, you're not gonna. You know, it might not be the best. You, you know, might I mean, not I spend, be alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I spend ninety percent of my time on public, or I'm, I'm sorry, on private ground. So I mean, I, um, but you know, but there, if if you work hard at it, and um, you know, you you can find ducks on public ground around here. You know, and I've done all the public ground stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, it makes me appreciate what I've um that I've you know that I don't have to get up at midnight anymore and. Oh, no you doubt. know those days are over. If I had to do that stuff, I don't know that I'd even still be doing it. As much it's, as I love it, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough on a guy's psyche because you just know you're always worried about what's yeah. going, who's coming, who's not coming. So yeah, I but, can. I don't remember what it was. I did something a year ago. Like I, I come home and I told the wife, I'm like, you know, like I don't know if it was just because it was so cold out or what, but I'm like, man, I'm I'm not 20 years old anymore. <laughs> no, duck hunting is not a. I mean, it's not a young man sport only, but you change your methods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, Absolutely. I've changed how I hunt, definitely. So yeah. part of that goes along with resources, but and, but also just the fact that it's you're not going to walk into some of the places. Although maybe I I do do some of it because I'm probably in better shape now than I was when I was twenty. But yeah, a lot of folks that does, isn't the typical scenario. So yeah. <laughs> Well, cool, man. I appreciate you coming on, especially short notice. And um, we'll definitely, I want to do this again, no doubt. So, Yeah, we'll do it. Um, like I say, um, thanks for having me. And um, like I say, it's a sad day in the waterfowl world with Tim's passing and, you know, keep all his family and, you know, friends and prayers. And um, I don't know, that's, that's a tough deal there. Yeah, it's a shock to the... A shock to the system for everybody really just it is so. you see just just the amount of of uh talk about it really kind of goes to show the impact he had on the community so yeah unfortunately Bye, brother. i will uh talk to you soon and keep in touch and uh yeah. thanks everybody for listening in yeah right. we'll do it have a good one see you later. bye